Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right. Good morning. We are starting a new study this morning. If I could get a couple of folks to help me out, I have a handout. And this is just an outline for the, the lesson this morning. So over the next few weeks, maybe next several weeks, uh, we will be covering the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And this morning, we're going to have an introductory lesson, kind of uh, set us up for the coming probably two, three, maybe four months of study. And if you were in the class on parables, this is going to be kind of similar. It's a similar format where I just kind of did an introduction um, of what exactly to expect as we're reading and things to keep in mind um, to help understand the context and help understand how to apply the, the lessons learned from the text. So this morning we're going to be starting uh, not in a particular chapter, but just starting uh, examining the book of Proverbs as a whole, and then we'll get into it in more detail in the coming weeks. All right. Anybody here like Chinese food? A couple people? Of course, part, in this part of Alabama, you don't have a whole lot of that, so... Hmm? And of course, you know at the end of a meal, a lot of times you get a fortune cookie, right? Right? Little, little uh, heart-shaped cookie and you break it open and there's a little piece of paper inside. Well, those are always good. Um, sometimes they're wise, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're both. Uh, I looked up a couple of uh, memorable ones online. So just bear with me for a moment. Uh, one said, some days you are the pigeon, some days you are the statue. Today, bring an umbrella. Uh, here's another good one. Person who rests on laurels gets thorn in backside. Look before you leap or wear a parachute. A closed mouth gathers no feet. A foolish man listens to his heart. A wise man listens to cookies. Uh, so those are, those are just some kind of fun spins on the type of things we're going to be talking about. But... Um, just as when we talked about parables, the idea of Proverbs is really somewhat universal. Um, cultures across the, the world have had Proverbs over the ages that they share with, with uh, their culture. So some more serious uh, Eastern Proverbs, these are I think mostly Chinese. Everything is difficult in the beginning. Okay, what does that mean? Well that means that starting it's probably the hardest part. And once you start your task, the, the momentum of your progress will help you to keep going. But oftentimes, you know, that, that first page or that first effort, whatever you're working on, if you can overcome that, it sets you up for success later. Um, failure is the mother of success. The idea being that you're generally not going to succeed on the first try. 
and that through your failure, you learn, and through learning, you eventually can succeed. Uh, you can't get fat with only one mouthful. I thought that was a pretty, a pretty good one. And what does that mean? Well, it takes... What? Don't eat too much. Yeah, things don't happen overnight, right? Things don't happen just because of one um, instant. But through habits over time is how you develop... Um, well, through actions over time is how you develop a habit, right? Uh, a day's planning is done at dawn. A wise saying, because what's the point of planning out your day in the evening, right? It's too late to plan at that point. If you're going to be planning things, you need to plan at the beginning. Um, a, a comparable Western proverb might be uh, measure twice, cut once, right? Make sure that you plan ahead of time before you take action. Um, and here's the last Chinese one that I found. As distance tests a horse's strength, time can reveal a person's heart. And think about that for a minute. As, as the horse continues to run and as it continues to go on its, on its journey or as someone's riding it and they're you know, riding it across country or into battle or something, the further and further it goes, the, the more strenuous it is on the horse. Well, the, the suggestion here is that, the time, that time for a person is the same, that we really come to learn who we are as we grow and over time and as time passes. Um, I also found some Western ones, specifically American ones, our nice, our, our friend up there, Mr. Ben Franklin, inventor of electricity, right? Um, he had several sayings that, are, uh, that have been popular ever since. Uh, popular at the time and, of course, still used today. Um, one of those being, haste makes waste. Okay? What's the idea behind haste makes waste? Yeah, if you, if you do something too urgently, then you're going to make mistakes, right? Which will, make, which will create problems, then you'll have to start all over again, and so you're wasting your time, you're wasting your, your effort, because in your haste, you made mistakes and didn't do it right. Uh, no gain without pain, which we kind of now associate mostly with, with gyms and exercise, right? The edge hmm? with just getting with just getting out of the bed in the morning. There you go. Um, the idea being that if you truly want to accomplish something, there's going to be challenges, and it's not always going to be comfortable. Uh, well done is better than well said. I like that one. Uh, it's basically that your actions speak louder than words, right? The things that you do um, hold more value than what people might say about you because what they might say is wrong or might be false, but your actions will speak to, uh, to your efforts. Uh, he that lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. And what does that mean? You ever heard that one before? Companionship, right? Who you spend your time with, right? You will begin to take on the traits of the people that you spend your time around. And then finally, this one I had to look up because the, uh, the phrasing actually wasn't familiar to me. I'd heard it before, but I'd never really thought about what it really referred to. But one of his famous ones was, a stitch in time saves nine. Does anyone know that one? Yeah, yeah, preventive, preventive maintenance is what he said. That's, I think that's a good way to say it. 
I've always thought of it as like something to do with time, but the idea in time means timeliness. It doesn't mean something about actual time. So what it's saying is if you stitch you know, the, the loose part of your clothing quickly, then you won't have to be stitching more of it later, right? So a single stitch done at the correct time saves you nine more stitches in the future, okay? So what do all these sayings have in common? And don't say the Proverbs, that's cheating. Telling you how to live life? Okay. What else? Prevention, hmm? Prevention from a state that's worse than you started. Okay, so they serve as maybe warnings, right, or advice. Okay. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they teach uh, they teach patience, they teach prudence, right? Discernment. Okay. They're about achieving something. Okay. Yeah, that they're that they're talking specifically about for you to get where you want to be, right? Or that you what outcome you want. This is how you should approach it. What else? There's no wrong answer here, by the way. I just want to hear what people think. Uh huh. Okay. So this this is these are wise sayings that speak to experience, right? A lot of these kind of have something to do with, you know, I've been through this before. So here's my advice that I'm giving to you, so that you don't make the same mistakes that I did, right? Somebody had to put in ten stitches, right? And then they told the next person, I shouldn't have waited. Stitch it now, otherwise you'll be doing the same. A lazy man works twice as hard, okay? Is that Franklin? It wouldn't surprise me. He had a lot. He had several. Yeah, a lazy man works twice as hard, meaning that if you don't, if you don't get the work done in a timely manner, you'll be rushing at the end to get it done? My, my example was always, if you're rushing to fix your fence, you don't do it right, the cows won't get out of Right. Right. You make twice as much work for yourself because you didn't do it right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think most of us have lived to see that around here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some more things that I want to add. First of all, these are old, right? The Chinese ones are probably a thousand or if not more years old. And of course, Ben Franklin's sayings are a few hundred years old, and yet they're still in use today, right? And so not only would they be universal, but they're somewhat timeless as well. Um, when it comes to advice for practical living, oftentimes the advice given today is just as good as it was a thousand years ago because it's dealing with your day-to-day -day life and it's dealing with day-to-day -day issues, which is good for us as we study the book of Proverbs because it was written a very long time ago. But what's nice is that this wisdom, given mostly by, by Solomon, uh, is still applicable for us today. We can still use what's said in this book, even though it's written in the Old Testament, even though it was written a very long time ago, 
um, it still has application because the whole idea behind a proverb is it's timeless, it's universal, it's meant to apply to your daily life. So in a way, it's got some similarities to a parable, right? The whole idea is to make it simple, to make it relatable, to make it concise, just like we talked about with the parables. The difference being that a proverb is, is more of just a short, wise saying, a simple saying, um, and then once... Once you've um, given that short saying, that's pretty much it. There's no, there's no main story to it. Um, also, Proverbs are meant to be shared, right? They're meant to be passed down. You'll see in the book of Proverbs, oftentimes they'll say something like, my son, right? Or it's presented as advice from a teacher to a student uh, or a father to a son. The idea being that these should be short, they should be memorable, they should be meaningful, and that you should be able to see their application easily so that you can pass it down to the next generation and they can remember it and they can pass it on as well, just like we've kind of talked about this morning already. Um, as I said, it's usually phrased as either advice, wisdom from someone more senior or more elder, um, or perhaps an observation of a truth. And oftentimes, just like we talked about with the parables, um, they can be symbolic, they can be metaphorical, um, as we have seen this morning, right? The idea of a horse representing a person, um, the idea of someone lying down with dogs, you know, that those represent things. We're not just talking about literal um, dogs and fleas. We're not talking about um, literal stitching, right? This is supposed to represent something. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you think about it. It's, you know, we, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that this whole study is going to be an exercise in futility because we, we never seem to learn. But the reason that this wisdom keeps getting passed down, keeps getting passed down is because keep, people keep making the same mistakes, right? The youth come along and they don't have these experiences and so the elders tell them what to avoid, and yet sometimes they make the mistake anyway. And then when they get old, they tell the next generation, this is what I did, don't do it. I didn't listen to my elders, and it happens all over again, right? It's kind of refreshing in a way that, that we can relate to people thousands of years ago making the same mistakes. It's like good, wise grandparents. We listen to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how this is all um, constructed, right? Is listening to your father, to your grandfather, to your, to your teacher, to your elder. Okay, so I think we have a pretty good idea now of what we're dealing with and where we're headed. So I want to go over a few different categories of information today to set the stage mentally for when we study and to be thinking about these things as we get into the actual text in the coming weeks. So, so what's the purpose of Proverbs? And at this point, I'm not talking about Proverbs in general. I'm talking about the biblical book of Proverbs found in the Old Testament. Well, oftentimes, um, Proverbs are meant to teach some sort of moral discernment or some way of determining right and wrong. I'm going to read a few parables this morning just as examples to help illustrate some of these points. I'm going to start in Proverbs 15, verse 1. I think I'll actually read verses 1 and 2 because they kind of go together. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. 
So this is kind of illustrating the difference between right and wrong. That the soft answer, the person who answers patiently and wisely, prevents anger from occurring. But those who would speak harshly just lead to conflict. Okay. Oftentimes, Proverbs in the, uh, in the Bible also uh, impart spiritual knowledge. Going back to Proverbs 1, verse 7, we read earlier, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And a whole lot of the book is about, here's wisdom, here's instruction, listen to this, to gain this spiritual knowledge in order to serve the Lord and live a righteous life. Many Proverbs also offer spiritual advice, obviously. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And this is advice, right? Do these things, um, and things will go well for you. And it's specifically in a spiritual sense. This is a, a spiritual type of advice. Trust in the Lord, don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him. And then also, uh, let's go to Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs also help to cultivate wisdom and to help instruct people in, in wise living or wi living wisely. Uh, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. And you can see already the daily application for these types of sayings, right? Most days when I get up, I can take these with me, put them in the back of my mind, try to live them out, and they will probably apply to some situation that I will have that day. Now, not all Proverbs, let's say are created equal, are built the same. So I want to go over a few different types of Proverbs because what you'll see as we go through the text is not every verse is built the same way and not every verse is saying what it's saying in the same manner. So there's various different examples of how Proverbs are constructed and how they're uh, conveyed. Going over to Proverbs 17, verse 28. Proverbs 17:28. Okay, so the most, the most simple way of conveying a proverb is just by a simple statement. So in verse 28 it says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And it's just a simple statement, right? A statement of fact or an observation of truth that... Even the most foolish person can appear wise if they just keep their mouth shut, right? Um, that there is wisdom and there is intelligence in holding your tongue. There's a simple observation, a simple statement. A lot of times in Proverbs, what you'll see, it's like the next section, Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built... And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, 
the structure here, or the type of proverb presented here, is called, in some places, called a parallel. Basically, the idea of parallelism, where I provide a statement, and then I provide a following statement that illustrates the first statement, or that complements the first statement. Or sometimes it could actually be the opposite, where you have a statement, and then you state the opposite as a way to help inform the understanding of the first. So the parallel here you see, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding is it is established. And then also in verse 4, by knowledge of the rooms are filled. The idea is we're building on the same concept. Okay, I'm using the same structure to present these different ideas that basically say the same thing. What's the difference between a house being built and it being established? I wouldn't say very much. And then what's the difference between wisdom and understanding? Again, not a whole lot. But it's repeating this idea to help reinforce it. So it's saying the same thing in different ways, kind of like I do sometimes, to make sure that the audience is understanding the point. And like I said, you'll see similar parallels, but you'll also see opposite parallels, where the, the first statement will say something, and then the second statement will say the opposite. And the whole point of saying the opposite is to make sure that the, for the meaning of the first statement is established. Um, Proverbs 27 and 17. Some Proverbs are often presented as explanations. Proverbs 27 and 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. In this one, the first half is kind of the, the proverbial part of the saying. And the second half is explaining the first, okay? So whereas the first line is symbolic, iron sharpens iron, well, what, is that, what does that mean for me? You know, why do I care if iron sharpens iron? The second half of the proverb says one man sharpens another. And so it illustrates or it explains the first half, the symbolism, so that you can better understand it. Proverbs 11, verse 22. Oftentimes you'll see comparisons. Um, and again, this is, this is symbolism, but this time, instead of presenting the saying and then explaining afterward, it's explaining all in one metaphor. Verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. And so... Similar to the previous one, there's symbolism here, right? Why do I care about a, a gold ring and a pig's snout? Well, the idea is we're using this to represent um, this woman that doesn't have discretion, okay? So we're, we're explaining the symbolism, uh, this time by using a comparison to something else. Uh, Proverbs also makes use of lists. I think, let's see, Proverbs 30 Proverbs 30, 18, and 19. It says, Three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. And so, you see here, this is a list. It's not like the previous ones we read, where it's just one line and then a second line, and the two were related somehow. This time he's listing out different things and he's trying to draw a similarity between them. Uh, this time talking about these, these things that are difficult to understand. 
um, kind of reminds you of, uh, let me see. If you go down to, to verse 24, you see another one. Actually, verse 21, 24, 29, this entire chapter is full of lists. Uh, three things in the earth trembles, uh, under four it cannot bear up. Verse 24, four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise, right? Talking about the ants. Um, three things are stately in their tread, verse 29. Four are stately in their stride. If we, if we go back to Proverbs chapter 6, I believe... Yes, this is probably the most famous list in Proverbs, right? 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And so you see the difference here, whereas things are being listed out and, and kind of shown in their similarities. And then finally, sometimes you get these cause and effect statements, which could be phrased as an if-then statement, if something, then something happens, or like something, so is something else. Um, oh, sorry, if-then, or cause and effect. Um, 26, Proverbs 26, verse 22. Uh, the words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So you kind of have the, the cause in the first half, and then you have the effect in the second half. So I don't think it's necessarily an exhaustive list, but I think that kind of gives you an idea of the various ways these Proverbs are written, so that just to kind of help you understand, there's purpose to the way they're done. They all serve to help illustrate themselves in different ways, but they're not all necessarily written the same. And in different sections of Proverbs, you'll see different uh, different usages depending on um, what exactly is being said and who's writing. Okay, I also want to talk a little bit about the structures of these Proverbs, and I think that will help illustrate some of what we talked about in the previous slide. Um, the first one, well, okay, before we do that, generally, in the middle of the book, their Proverbs are presented as couplets, which is saying one, saying two, or part A, part B, and then it goes to the next one, and then it's a new, a new thought, part A, part B. In the earlier parts of the book, it's more just conversational. It's more just explaining things and talking, um, but in the middle is where you get to all these different sayings, and they're just like one after another with various bits of advice. So generally, they can fall into four different categories. Let's go to Proverbs 13, verse one. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And this is what's called a contrastive pair, where the key word in the saying is the word but. Okay? So here's part A, but part B. A wise son hears his instruction, his father's instruction but a scoffer doesn't listen to rebuke. So the contrast, right? A wise versus a fool, or a wise man versus a foolish man. 
it's, it's taking the two and it's illuminating the difference between them, okay? Now, there's also what's called a completive proverb. Let's go to verse, or sorry, chapter 16, verse 3. 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. This is what's called completive, where part A begins the thought, and part B completes the thought. Okay? And it kind of shows that cause and effect we talked about earlier. Commit your work to the Lord, part A, and, and being the key word in these types of proverbs, your plans will be established. So in the first, the first one, the contrasting ones, the key word is but. If you see a but, that's probably some sort of contrast. In the second one, the completion, the key word is and. You begin with a thought, and then you add another thought to it, or you add another thought to the end of it. Uh, the third example I want to go over is what's called corresponding. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. Okay. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now you see, this one also uses and like the one before it. But in the one before it, when we were doing the completive, it was completing the thought. Whereas this one, the second part, the part B of the proverb, complements the first because all it does is it kind of repeats the idea to reinforce it. It doesn't, it doesn't complete an incomplete thought. Instead, it repeats the thought in a different way. So uh, this would be a corresponding proverb. The second statement complements the first. The fear of the Lord is the end of knowledge and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And finally, let's go over to uh, Proverbs 25. And whereas you had before contrasting Proverbs, we also have comparative Proverbs. Proverbs 25, verse 24. And oftentimes, these will be phrased like better something than something else. Or like something, so something else. Proverbs 25, 24. Uh, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. So you see that like, so... Or oftentimes you'll see better than. And that's comparing something. That's helping illustrate symbolism. It's providing some sort of analogy. So the idea here is good news from far away is refreshing, right? Just as cold water would be to someone who's thirsty. So again, not an exhaustive list, but I think this kind of helps to understand the purpose of these different styles, these different structures of parables, and what they're trying to say. They could either be taking two things and comparing them. It could be contrasting them. The two statements could complete each other, or they could just be pairs, twins. Um, that's a little small, I think. But the, the general outline of the book, just real quick, uh, you see this discussion of wisdom and folly in about the first nine chapters. Uh, and again, this is the more conversational, the more, you know, my son listened to my sayings and, and kind of just giving general advice. Then you get into the meat of these proverbs, these, these, uh, these pair proverbs in verse, or sorry, in chapter 10. 
all the way through chapter, halfway through chapter 22. So you'll see in uh, chapter 10, the very beginning, it says the Proverbs of Solomon. And it says, a wise son makes a glad father, a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And that's when all of these start. Uh, the next section starts halfway through chapter 22, where it just kind of changes to uh, wise sayings. And in fact, mine actually has a, uh, a section break. It says words of the wise. But in chapter 17 of verse 22, it says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And so it kind of changes tone a little bit in, in uh, chapter 22 all the way through chapter 24. In chapter 25, it changes again. If you look at verse 1 in chapter 25, these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So you, we're going back to some more traditional Proverbs through chapter 29. And then towards the end of the book, uh, chapter 30, verse 1, um, the words of Agur, son of Jacah, the oracle. So actually not Solomon at this point, but the words of someone else recorded with Solomon's sayings. And so the entirety of chapter 30 is the words of Agur. Chapter 31, you then have words of King um, Lemuel, I think, Lemuel, um, but only for a few verses. And then, of course, towards the end of chapter 31, you have the virtuous woman. And so that's kind of a basic outline of, of the book itself and how it's structured. Um, as I said, it begins with some narrative, then it gets into a whole lot of uh, proverb pairs, some more sayings, and then some more proverbs, and then it kind of wraps up with a couple of extra sayings from some other sources, and then the, the virtuous woman at the end. Okay, so I want to I want to pose a couple of questions as we think about application, because ultimately the purpose of this study is to be able to apply it in our lives once we leave this building. So why would I study Proverbs and what does it mean? So the first question I want to pose is, is Proverbs inspired? Yes, okay. I think everyone in here would agree that. I think that's the way we're going to be approaching this, is that this is inspired scripture just like everything else in my Bible, okay? Next question, though, is Proverbs binding today? What's that? Okay, so we have some yeses and some noes. Any other thoughts? The Proverbs are Proverbs. They're always handed down. Right. So I do want to make this distinction, and I, I think I'm on the same page as Sam with this. Keep in mind, we're in the Old Testament, right? If we're Christians living under the New Testament, then the Proverbs are not included in that. And so what I would suggest to you is the Proverbs in that sense are not binding as commandments because they're not part of the law of Christ. However, that's not to say they're not worth anything, just as any other scripture in the Old Testament. So what I would view this as is inspired advice for godly living, okay? And you notice it's that's slightly different than a command. That's not a literal command, but it is still advice. Right. Um, well, that, you know, a lot of people say we don't. Um, what they say we don't give credit to the Old Testament. That's not, that's wrong. We do. There's still purpose. Right. For the Old Testament, we're just not under 
Testament law. Right. And Right. And that's why I wanted to bring up this morning is I want to make sure to put this in its place as we study it. Yes, there is purpose behind it. Just because it's not law does not mean it's not worthwhile. And I mean Right. 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 The the Proverbs reveal an insight into God's wisdom. Right, because ultimately, where did Solomon get his wisdom? From God. Um, so while it is not New Testament, you know, law of Christ, there is still purpose in learning from it. Uh, Romans 15, 4 said what we read before that for our, for our learning. learning. Yes. Yes. In Jewish literature, it's not part of the law. Right. Right. Right, so Proverbs is commonly lumped in as wisdom literature with Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Job, and oftentimes Psalms, right? And none of these were part of the old law, right? Because that comes from, what, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. And so these aren't books of the law even to the Jews at the time, right? But they were still inspired things to, to, to live by, right? Right. And the interesting thing is, too... I'm going to give this a second, because I do want to get this last point. I would say Proverbs is inspired, but Proverbs is not absolute. Because when you read, train up a child in the way you should go, and it doesn't happen, should that challenge your faith? Well, it challenges it in a sense, but it shouldn't challenge you from the perspective of Proverbs are not a guarantee. Because if you read Proverbs, what you're reading are general ideas, basic morals for daily living. But what's the point of Ecclesiastes and what's the point of Job? To pose the questions where this advice didn't work. Okay? So I would say that you don't want to be taking commands out of Proverbs and you don't want to be taking Proverbs as absolute because it's advice. It's general advice. It's general wisdom. It's not meant to be a guarantee of anything. And the other, the other half of that is I sometimes hear people trying to create doctrine and use verses from Proverbs as examples. And I don't think you're on solid ground there either. Because again, it's general advice. It's not meant to be absolute statements. It's a proverb, not a promise. Right. A proverb is not a promise. It's advice. All right. So I think that covers everything. Yes. So hopefully this sets us up well for next week when we start getting into the actual you know, text line by line. But I hope this was informative. I hope you learned something from it. And I appreciate your attention this morning.